Hi, welcome to Dancing Dog Blog, where you'll hear from experts and enthusiasts working to better the lives of animals. I'm your host, Mary Haight, and today we'll be talking to Shannon Keith, an activist attorney representing animal rights activists in the courtroom, defending dogs on death row, exposing and suing animal abusers, and changing and creating laws to protect animals. In 2004, she founded and is president of the nonprofit organization ARME, that's Animal Rescue, Media, and Education, and its mission, Beagle Freedom Project. ARME advocates social change for animals, educates through documentaries, works with legislators for laws that advance animal welfare, and rescues animals in need. Shannon has good news to share and an innovative program she's devised to save more dogs and cats used in testing. So stay tuned, and we'll be back after this message from our sponsors, 4canines.com. If you're like me, you take your dog everywhere, whenever you can, and that can get really messy. Rain, muddy wet paws, snow, dust and debris works its way into the fibers of the seat, and it's one more thing to clean. Leather takes a beating, too. Save yourself and your car seats. Check out the great prices at 4canines.com. That's number four, letter K, N-I-N-E-S dot com. We're back to introduce Shannon Keith and her Beagle Freedom Project that got the first ever law of its kind, the Beagle Freedom Law, passed in several states, mandating the release of research dogs and cats. Shannon focuses on stopping abuse at its roots through educational documentaries, winning several national and international awards for her groundbreaking films exposing animal cruelty. She lives in L.A. with her three dogs, two cats, and two rabbits, and she's with us today. Well, welcome to the show, Shannon. Thanks for having me. You know, just a few short days ago, the Beagle Freedom Project won a pretty fabulous award from Microsoft, $500,000 for the wonderful work you do. Could you tell us about your mission, why you started, where you did, and in particular, the inroads your organization has made? Yeah, we are really excited to, to win that prize. And it's really a testament to our amazing supporters because it was a, an online Twitter, Facebook, Instagram <laughs> contest that was very complicated. And if it wasn't for our thousands of supporters around the world, we wouldn't have made it. And, you know, we're kind of the small organization that could, um, that was never really supposed to exist, let alone thrive and have the success that we've had. Um, so, you know, this $500,000 is really uh, game-changing for us. Um, but Being a Freedom Project is a mission of our larger organization called ARMY, which stands for Animal Rescue, Media, and Education. And that is a nonprofit that I started back in 2004 um, in order to rescue animals in need from all types of exploitation when possible, uh, to make documentary films exposing animal cruelty, and have some com campaigns um, that would raise awareness about animals in certain exploitive situations. And, you know, did that for many years. Um, my heart was in all of everything that I did, but for some reason, um, the issue of animal testing and vivisection has always bothered me the most of all of the horrible issues and things that happen to animals. Um, and in 2010, late December 2010, I got a call that there were some beagles at a laboratory that were going to be released just before Christmas. And um, a few of them had been claimed already, but there were two that nobody wanted. And could we come and get them? Of course, I jumped at the chance. 
Uh, I never thought in a million years that I would actually be able to physically rescue these animals who have been through so much and who you know have only known a cold, dark cage. Um, and that's essentially how Beagle Freedom Project started. It was the rescue in uh, December of 2010 of Freedom and Bixby, mm-hmm. who launched Beagle Freedom Project, and it has since exploded into the massive, amazing mission that it is. So from two to many. <laughs> yes. <laughs> can you, um, okay, can you tell us a little bit about how this award happened and the scope of it? I, I think I saw that it, it, this was really a global effort. And right. uh, who, who were some of the other entrants, by the way? Um, we're not sure. You know, there was no leaderboard that we could check. We had no idea uh, who we were up against. Um, and who was winning or who was losing. Uh, we could see from following the hashtag a few of the other organizations that were involved. Mm-hmm. We think that we were neck and neck with one called Random Acts. That's all I really know. You know, we just kept pushing along, and really we owed it to um, to Sia, uh, who is just, you know, the most amazing musician, singer, songwriter, producer, who um, tweeted us every single day and got all of her celebrity friends to tweet us as well, like Katy Perry and Miley Cyrus and and all the other celebrities that hopped on board that really just exploded our votes. Oh, that yeah, that helps greatly. <laughs> you yeah. can get the, those those people behind you. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. It was great to see them come out, and I mean, she just personally did more than probably any of our supporters will, you know, put together. I mean, she made great posts. She really put thought into them. She did them every day. She tagged people and really, you know, got all of her friends to do it as well. So, you know, if it wasn't for her, there's there's no way we would have won this. That's that's fantastic. How did you hear about the award? Did somebody notify you or? I can't remember how we heard about the award. It might have been through our social media manager, but mm-hmm. I can't. Can't remember just, just just one of those things in passing, and all of a sudden, yeah. <laughs> it's raining money. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so well, that's going to help a lot of animals. Half a million yeah. dollars is a very good thing. Yes. And um, as long as we're speaking about numbers, what are current estimates on the numbers of cats and dogs used in research labs? Well, it depends, and it's hard to get exact numbers. So. Mm-hmm. You know, we only have U.S. numbers because the USD is supposed to give a census. We can't really get our hands on numbers in other countries right now, but, um, but you know, it is global. I mean, the animals are being tested on all over the world. There are some countries who have outlawed testing for cosmetics and products, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them still do testing for pharmaceuticals, though. Um, but in the U.S. alone, there, at any given time, there's approximately 70,000 dogs being tested on for products, cosmetics, scientific curiosity. Getting numbers on cats is a little bit more difficult, um, and there's probably fewer cats, but fewer cats get out alive. Does anybody know why that is? Because the experiments that they do to cats are much more invasive, and mm-hmm. they usually result in the cats dying um, or being killed during the testing procedure. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that happens very frequently with the dogs as well and the other animals, but usually the more invasive studies are done with, if we're talking just numbers of cats and the smaller animals, you know, with dogs, I, they do do some of it, but there's a greater uh, chance that some dogs will get out, of a lot, get out alive versus the other animals. 
What are the majority of scientists saying about the efficacy uh, and even the advisability of using pets in research these days? Are there really any diseases where using cats and dogs and biomedical research are justified? Yeah, the tide has completely changed. Um, you know, everyone talks about um, replacing animal models and how they are not, um, you know, predictive of the human model whatsoever. Um, right now, it's just simply a matter of cost. We have amazing scientists that you can read up about, especially at the WIS Institute, who essentially develop the human body on a chip. Um, and is growing organs, and it's just so much more um, realistic and safer to do this. Even the National Institute of Health said that in a press release, that um, it is simply a waste of money, time, and resources to continue to test on animals. However, it's still being done. You know, big drug companies don't want to spend the money to make the changes that are required to be made, and I think it's just a matter of time right now, but, you know, for them, it's a matter of money. And they'd rather just continue to harm animals, which in turn harms people, than spend the money to make appropriate change. Yes, and it's, it's, it's not an unconsidered complaint uh, in terms of people dying, actually, from using drugs that uh, are okay on dogs and cats, but apparently not very good for people. Correct, yeah. There have been countless drugs that, were proven safe on the market, proven safe in testing um, on animals, and then when they were on the market, ended up severely hurting or killing people. Uh, it's just it's a dangerous it's dangerous to do what's being done, and there's no need for it. It doesn't have to be done. It's not required by law to be done for cosmetics and products. It's still required for drugs. But once that the new process is in place, it won't be. How many pets do you? Uh, receive from research facilities each year, if you could give us a range? Uh, yeah, uh, the range depends. Um, you know, we, we, our organization has grown every year, so we progressively are able to rescue, rehabilitate, and rehome more animals each and every year. So to date, since we started in late December 2010, we've rescued over 500 animals from laboratories across the world. Uh, we've rescued dogs, of all breeds, cats, pigs, horses, goats, even goldfish, rats, rabbits, guinea pigs, ferrets. It, we don't discriminate. We will rescue whoever we can. Well, that's good to know. A lot of people I know think because uh, your name says Beagle Freedom Project, it's only about beagles. Right. And, um, you know, when we started the project, I decided to call it Beagle Freedom Project because beagles are the number one breed of dogs used in testing. And that is because they are bred to be docile and forgiving in nature. So the very reason that people love beagles is the reason that they're exploited, which makes it even more sickening. Isn't that awful? I, I thought about that and it, I was crestfallen. What a terrible thing to do to use their good nature against them in this way. Yeah, exactly. It's terrible. And so, you know, um, definitely wanted to raise awareness to that issue and draw people in, you know, with the beagles and with dogs. Mm -hmm. Most of our homes, you know, we share with a dog or a cat. Yeah. And, you know, that gets people's foot in the door to really hear about what we do, learn about what we do, 
and expand their circle of compassion as well to other breeds and species. So if you would, uh, walk us through what happens when you bring them back from research facilities, like where are they kept, for instance, and how are they readied for adoption? Well, we're a foster-based network. We don't have a facility, and we don't believe in having a kennel or anything like that where the animals are held. These are highly sensitive animals who have already been confined their whole lives, and we want them to start learning immediately how to be in a home environment. Mm -hmm. So we have an extensive network across the world of people who have applied to be a foster home and an adoptive home. And they go through a process first with us where we screen them. We do a home check, make sure the home is safe. Uh, And we go through a little training process to see if they pass, that they're going to be patient enough to understand the special needs of these animals, that they, you know, um, are able to handle the issues that go along with it. And that not only that, but that they're going to be a cruelty-free home. And if they're not cruelty-free, they will learn how through us. That's a requirement of ours. And also that they are advocates for the cause and that their foster animal will be somebody who brings awareness to the cause as well. You know, people think sometimes we're just a rescue organization that sometimes does legislation. No, we're an animal advocacy organization. The rescue side of it is amazing. And we incorporate the activist and welfare side of that to it so that you can't be involved in our network. You can't foster and you can't adopt unless you're going to be an advocate for this cause because it doesn't make any sense to us if you're going to foster an animal and then continue to use products that are tested on animals. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole process that goes along with it. And once we find the perfect foster for, let's say, a dog coming out of a laboratory, we set up a meet and greet, and then they foster them. They, um, we give them the tools. We usually require that there be another dog in the house in order to socialize them because these dogs learn a lot from other dogs since they've had no idea how to be a dog. They spend time there until they come out of their shells, and then we can start seeing what their personality is like. When we start seeing what their personality is like, we can match them to the perfect adoptive home. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of how the process works. So very much like a, a shelter that makes the effort to make a very good match between their charge and uh, families coming in to adopt an animal from that aspect. But uh, what can people expect when they adopt the animals? Well, they have to be ready for a newborn and an adult body, how I describe it. So Mm -hmm. they have to be ready for, when you're talking about dogs and cats, um, an animal who does not know anything. They do not know the difference between right and wrong. They do not have a name. They were never given one. They look right through you because they are too scared to connect. So when you look at them and you make eye contact, they're empty inside, which is something that's weird to us. When I look at, you know, my dogs, you know, we make eye contact and it's full of love and caress, and that's not something that happens with these dogs until they have a breakthrough. So you have to be ready to have a dog who might be scared of you for a while, and you have to be okay with that. And you have to be okay with lots of pottying all over the house because they've obviously lived in a cage where they have slept where they have gone to the bathroom and where they've eaten, and they don't know anything else. And then at the same time, you have to be gentle with your training because you don't want to do anything that's going to scare them even further and that's going to take them back. So those are just a couple of the things. I mean, these dogs have 
severe PTSD. You don't know what's going to trigger them. Many of them are triggered by different things where they have seizures. They run into corners and have seizures because it's just the world is too overwhelming. Um, they all do get over it, and I want to make a point that they do, and that all these dogs have done wonderfully. But these are things that, you know, you need to expect at first. What happens uh, to the animals if they're not adopted? Have you ever had that scenario? Oh, never. Okay. <laughs> well, that's a happy thing. Okay. That would never happen. <laughs> and um, you help people so that they, they don't end up returning the animal? Correct. Yeah, that's something that we take a lot of pride in because, you know, we're, we're the only international organization that specializes in this. And so um, we make sure that these people are 100% prepared. We practically scare them to the point where they're scared to adopt from us <laughs> because we want to make sure that this, that's not going to happen. Of course, you know, you, you can never know for sure. Mm -hmm. but, um, but no, and then of course we have in our agreement that, you know, if they cannot keep them for any reason, we take them back and they're only to be returned to us. Right. We'll take a quick break here to say thanks to our sponsors, 4K9s.com, for sending car seat covers over for testing. I saw the installs in less than one minute claim and thought, have they met me? I was so surprised when it turned out to be true. They fit well and look really great. 4K9s offers a lifetime warranty. If a cover fails with a 4.75 out of 5 star rating from 1,000 reviews at Amazon, you can be sure of excellent customer service. And there's a special coupon for listeners. You'll get an additional 10% off even on sale prices when you use the code CAFE number 4, letter K, number 9, letter S. And Here's something we really love. With every purchase, $1 goes to the ASPCA and other rescues. Visit 4K9s.com. And we're back. How many research facilities are there around just the U.S., say? Do you have that any oh, idea? There's thousands and thousands. Um, there's no exact number because many of them are private. Yeah. Many are federally funded and many are connected to universities. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, the, I couldn't tell you exactly how many, but the thousands upon thousands. Yeah, I was wondering if there was any kind of paperwork with regard to uh, having a clue about how many dogs and cats are purposely bred for, the, for research. And there really isn't any way to get that, is there? Yeah, I mean, you could get a general number, um, mm -hmm. but there's a couple of steps to that. So first... You would get the USDA census for, you know, how many um, publicly funded facilities there are. So that's just, you know, that cuts out the private facilities. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have to know, you know, where these dogs are coming from. Are they coming from um, breeders where they're purposefully bred or even from the lab where they've started breeding to? Or are these dogs that are sourced from shelters called, and, you know, they're, or are they from Class B dealers? Um, it's it's hard to know. A lot of times there's no lineage that you can trace and no records, and, you know, they do that on purpose. Okay, can you tell us about your recent use uh, of the Freedom of Information Act and how it's helping to get dogs released where possible when testing is over? Yeah, the Freedom of Information Act, uh, we've been crowdsourcing it in our identity campaign, and this is a campaign that's the first of its kind to, to crowdsource freedom of information requests. It took about nine months to collect all the data and the census from the different facilities on what animals they had. And then we created our identity campaign website based on that. So we had the animals, we had um, their numbers, their federal ID numbers, which is how they're recognized. 
and we developed a campaign whereby people could virtually adopt a dog or a cat from one of these facilities, give them a name instead of a number, and then we'd send them a welcome pack that would have, you know, their animals' tags and their real name, a certificate, and also an envelope and a letter pre-written for them to send to the school for further information, public record information, on the animal that they adopted so that we could get further information on the animals there. And it has been an amazing campaign. The people involved in it are really invested. We had no idea how interested people would be in this. Um, we you know, have already sent in requests for over a thousand animals. Well, you have to admit, this is pretty innovative. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, and we've gotten some responses that are positive from the facilities and a lot of negative responses or no responses at all. And so part of this is also litigating um, against these facilities to force them to reveal the information that they're supposed to be revealing and be transparent about what they do to these animals. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we're forcing their hand. But they can't hide anymore. They can't hide what they do, especially when this is a taxpayer-funded institution. They're required by law to tell people what they do to these animals, and we're going to make sure that that happens. So, so far, uh, no animals have been adopted out through, you know, the identity campaign. That's something that we thought would be great if it did happen, but we mm -hmm. weren't really expecting it to. Right. Um, however, the, our individual participants are requesting that if their animal is still alive, that they, that they could have a chance to adopt that animal at the end of the testing. Unfortunately, many are already dead. How can people get involved in this effort? Your website, uh, who should they contact? Our website is beaglefreedomproject.org. And if people want to get involved, there's a myriad of ways on the website uh, to get involved. You can start your own fundraiser. You can donate. You can volunteer with us. You can sign up to foster. You can sign up to adopt. You can be involved in our legislative actions. There's just so many different ways. And if you want to connect with somebody directly, you can always email us at info at beaglefreedomproject.org. Another way that people can get involved is to make sure that your consumer choices are cruelty-free. And that's one of the easiest things to do. We have an app that we launched last year called Cruelty Cutter. You can go to the website Cruelty Cutter and download it onto your phone. And what that does is when you go shopping, you simply scan the barcode of a product and it instantly tells you if the product is cruelty-free or not. And you can also share the results of that action. So you can bite back against the company, or you can share the great results that they don't test. And what's important about doing that is that at the end of the day, we are going to go to the shareholders' meetings and present that back-end data to companies like Procter & Gamble who refuse to stop testing when they don't have to and say, hey, look at all of these people who didn't buy your product because you test on animals. You've lost $5 million this year because of it. And we're hoping that that's going to be the final nail uh, to get these companies that have been attacked for so long to make that change. You're doing excellent work, and your programs are impressively comprehensive. 
from film documentaries to changing laws and using crowdsourcing to leverage the Freedom of Information Act. I really love that one. <laughs> to get more dogs and cats and rabbits rescued. I appreciate you doing what you do and spreading the word and getting information out there to people. Thanks so much for being with us today, Shannon. Yeah, thank you. And to the audience, thanks for listening.